The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Rents for houses and apartments are at record highs. So why would any owner of a house or apartment let to a tenant want to give up such enormous income at this particular time, as is being claimed? Margaret McCormick from the Irish Property Owners Association. There may be 52% tax applied, but isn't it on very high income in the first place? No. So when you're looking at at the tax situation for private rental, it's not taxed as a business. So expenses that are expenses are not always allowable. And also when you're in the rental market, you have to pay back the loan as well. So your income has to be sufficient to meet the outgoings or else you can't continue in business. So we have a situation now that in Although you're seeing high rents announced, we have no situation here or no data on actual rents on the ground. The OTB will have one this time next year. But at the moment, we do not have anything that actually looks at rents. So the Daft Index looks at at rents from the last quarter for new properties. And the OTB Index looks at, at registered properties for the that that quarter. And in fact, under the OTB's one, because of the changes in the legislation moving from four-year rights to six-year rights, none of, there's no existing tenancies coming up there for re-registration, or there weren't in the, in the last lot of data. So we have just new tenancies coming on stream there. So the information that's there and the, the rents and the figures that are, everything is based on are not correct. But hold on. So we have, don't we private have, sorry, Margaret, don't private landlords increase the rent on the houses or apartments they're letting out to match what they see has been achieved by new lets? Market rent is normally uh, or, or was at one stage would have been at the at the at the beginning of a tenancy it would have been charged. But a huge amount of landlords and in fact <laughs> we're now seeing them exit the market, when they got a good tenant, they didn't continually increase the rent. They felt that they had a good tenant and valued that tenant and and kept the rent at a low rate. And the very people that kept the rents low, costs around them haven't stayed low, and they're in a situation where they are responsible to ensure the properties are maintained to a good standard, and their income is restricted. And then they're paying over half of the income back to the state. Now, all the risk is on a property owner. So the, the, the property owner is the one who borrows from the bank. The property owner is the one who has to run, run the property and has to maintain it, ensure everything is kept to a good standard. And they, they are restricted. And I mean, if you're looking at even the legislation now, the last lot of legislation, restricted, restricted rents increase to 2% are... Uh, Basically, no more than 2% are the harmonised indices of consumer prices, whichever is the lower. So 2% they are restricted to. But, but when you're looking at the costs of, of contractors, they're running at a much higher cost. So effectively, rents are falling, albeit uh, you, you're not seeing that. So effectively, the cost terms. of living is increasing. Yeah. before I bring in our other guest, what is it you're looking for? You want a reduction in the tax rate applied to landlords' income. From what to what? I 
we're, lo- we're looking at a situation where uh, we need more than just, uh, we need a flat rate of taxation. That's what we need on, on property, a flat rate of taxation. And we need legitimate expenses to be allowable in the year that they're incurred. And, and, and just define legitimate expenses. Is that like putting in a new cooker or washing machine or painting yes. the gaff? Yes. Now, some okay. are allowed. So painting would be allowed in the year it's done. But if you buy a, buy, um, a cooker you, you, you're, or, or a new bed, you're, you're taking that over eight years at 12.5% per year. But, I mean, it, it's, it's a cash flow issue. And, and also... If you if if the landlord was looking at, at at doing something to a property, they have to be able to have the the, the money. The funds need to be there. It's a cash flow issue. Um, okay, I mean, I'm going to bring it, in Sebetter, Senator Rebecca Moynihan of the Labour Party. Uh, Rebecca, how much sympathy would you have for these private landlords? So I think Margaret made a couple of reasonable suggestions there that, you know, where there is legitimate expenses from a landlord, they should be able to write it off against tax and that there should be kind of harmonisation between institutional landlords and small landlords in terms of their tax treatment. But fundamentally, I don't believe that people who are um, landlords renting it out should be paying any less tax than somebody who is working um, for a living and income tax. And I think that's a real tax inequality that is there. Margaret talks about um, the landlord taking all of the risk. But what um, this report is mentioning and what she didn't mention is that there's a capital asset that is there at the end of it where a renter is essentially paying somebody else's mortgage and they end up with a capital asset um, at the end of it. And we see house prices increasing 15% um, year on, on year. And I just, I find it strange that at a time of, um, increasing rents, higher rents than ever before, um, and you're seeing rent increases of like up to 20% in some parts of the country, um, that landlords are coming out and essentially saying that that they're the victims in all this. And we do often hear about, you know, that landlord that got a good tenant and they didn't want to raise the rent um, and so they feel that they're stuck now. But there has been, even in RPZs, 4% year on year allowable. Now, um, the cost of borrowing and the cost of a mortgage has not gone up 4%. And we'd be seeing riots in the street if mortgage holders had that um, amount put on every single year um, to their rent. So I have, you know, some, um, I think it's worth a legitimate debate, but I do have very little sympathy, particularly when there is going to be a very large capital asset that is owned by a landlord at the end of it. Um, And you have people who are, the biggest contributors to family homelessness in this country, which are people coming from the private rented sector. And where we talk about, um, you know, equalisation of treatment, it should be looking at it from a renter's perspective and people who are essentially paying somebody else's mortgage. Margaret McCormack, a lot of people are texting in about that line of paying, the renter is paying the landlord's mortgage and that you end up at the end of the day having a debt-free asset that you can make use of? Now, I, the first thing is that the renter is paying for a service, and the service is the accommodation. They are getting accommodation. So from that perspective, it is something that, that they are gaining for a period of time. The landlord borrows the money and takes the risk. The landlord then has to maintain and look after the property for the full period. The capital of the property has to be paid down and it, it, 
for, for a lot of people, they would be contributing to this to actually pay down the capital. And for the long-term investor, it has to be sustainable. There will be absolutely a capital asset at the end of 25 years after the mortgage is complete. But the management and the risk and everything prior to that is all on the landlord's side. And we are allowed to offset the mortgage interest as a cost, but we are also responsible uh, to provide white goods, maintain and, and, and keep the property uh, insured. All of the items that are required within a property. So it's not something, I, I mean, if this was something that, that uh, the market, that everybody would do, everybody would do it. This is something that is, there's a risk, there's a timeline, they're taking the risk for that period of time. They have to pay back, the, if, like if the tenant doesn't pay the rent, the state um, won't necessarily step into the landlord when the landlord can't pay the mortgage. So when the landlord okay. can't get a loan or anything else, so there is there's a huge uh, there's a huge amount. Really? Let's yes, leave we... Rebecca back in on that market. You've had a good run there, Rebecca. What's your response to that? Absolutely, nor should they. Um, like if you look at the trends in the property market, uh, we had a crash between 2009 and 2016, but rents have been rising since then. There's not an awful lot of risk that's involved in getting a mortgage that you pay to cover your mortgage, nor should the state step in uh, where the la- a landlord can't pay a mortgage. But where the state should step in is where you have people who are in income insecurity, um, who have difficulty paying their rents, and they already do that to the fund of almost a billion euro. And so I, I really, like, the, there's some legitimate um concerns around some tax treatment and I agree with the equalisation between smaller landlords and institutional investors but putting on the poor mouth as if there's not going to be a capital asset at the end of this and 25 years by the way is a very short amount of time to have a capital asset. Housing, house prices have raised 15% in the last year alone. That's value that eventually is going into the capital of the landlord and they're building up equity in that. And the renter is working and paying income tax in order to pay for that. And I think when you have a look at who should be financially supported, it is people in the private rented sector and not landlords. Rebecca, there's a listener here. Just to finish, Rebecca, sorry, I want to put this to you. Listener here makes a good point. We heard today on the news that you can rent out a room now tax-free for 14000 per annum uh, to look after not just Ukrainian refugees, but also students or whatever. But if you can rent out a room for that, why can't a landlord do the same? Why should the landlord be taxed at full income? So I suppose that is, it, 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 that's a way of trying to maximise our housing stock where you have people who are living in larger houses and that they can't, can't necessarily cover and that it's a rent room. And it has been somewhat successful um, in okay. doing that. And I, I have no problem with it being extended out. Otherwise, that's generally people who are renting out a room in their house. And I suppose there's a whole lot of difficulties that come with renting out a room in your house. That's not as easy. It's not like as letting out a property out you don't live in. Okay, exactly. Rebecca Moynihan and Margaret McCormick Thank you both very much for joining us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. If you are 65 or over, or you have a weak immune system, you can now get your second COVID-19 booster vaccine. Your vaccine is due four months after your last vaccine. It will improve your protection from COVID-19. You can book a vaccination centre appointment on hsc.ie or contact a participating GP or pharmacy. 
For more information on your second booster or to book an appointment, visit hsc.ie or call our team in HSE Live on 1800 700 700 from the HSE for us all.